Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. All right, let's dive into this, guys. Go to Philippians chapter one. What's up on Facebook? And what's up out there in YouTube land? Miss you guys, love you guys. Be praying for our Saturday service. We're still praying about that. The seats fill up here very fast, praise God. And so we're trying to make as much room as possible for more precious people to hear the word of God. We're gonna wrap up our series at the table. I pray it's been a blessing to you. It's been good, Lachey? It's been good? It's a bless you guys? A few of you? Some of you are ready to get out of a relationship series, I know. Uh, next week we start a, a new series on Christmas. It's a series like you've never heard. It's going to be a great blessing. We're going to unveil the scriptures and show you the first Christmas. It's highly, highly dysfunctional stuff. And we're going to give you a whole lot of hope if this has been a hard year for you. But that's next week. And so let's wrap up this series at the table. And so Facebook, YouTube, you guys make sure you're in your Bibles. Um, We want you to follow along uh, with us. Uh, We love you guys again. And we call you our online frontline family. And so as soon as these doors open, we're, we're, we're very optimistic. We want to see you back in here. And we're going to see great things happen as usual here at Frontline. I want to wrap this sermon up because we're going into Thanksgiving. If you forgot, guys, it's Thanksgiving week. I know it's weird, maybe not being in, in America, because the way we remember Thanksgiving is by football. Amen. And so we're behind. We get to watch reruns here. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we forget what month it is. But it's Thanksgiving for our German friends. I know you probably don't uh, celebrate Thanksgiving, obviously. But I still think this is going to be a blessing for you. And so today I want to wrap this series up. And I want you to write this down. I want to talk to you today on the subject of being thankful for the mess. Being thankful for the mess. Amen. Now, in my home growing up, my mom's watching this. What's up, mom? Uh, We won't be with you this Thanksgiving, but I love you. And so, remember this mom? My mom, she knew how to do Thanksgiving well. My mom took the fat from the turkey, amen? Don't waste that stuff, amen? Use that stuff. And she would turn that into some good artery-clogging gravy, amen? Don't waste that. And uh, mom, you taught us how to eat. Um, you also taught us to get health insurance, but that's okay. And so afterwards, after Thanksgiving, it was like all this work. And then you sat around the table and you got to eat. My family it was a little quiet because we were just digging in. But there was always the aftermath. There was always the mess. And that's typically when I would slide out. I would try to slide out and play the turkey bowl, the big football game uh, with the neighborhood kids. And so I never liked the mess at the table, and my mom used to chase us as we tried to escape the house. And I got to thinking about this. You know, oftentimes 
the table can get messy. And in this series, we've been saying that we all sit at tables of life. Maybe you call one of your tables work. Maybe you call one of your tables family. Uh, Maybe you call one of your tables friendship. And so we all sit with people at the tables of life. And so often the table gets really, really messy. It gets messy. And I think the way it gets messy, we've been talking a lot about uninvited guests. And it gets messy in my life when I have people in my life sitting at the tables of my life who I didn't invite. Amen? Amen. They may be with you today and you can't shake them. That's okay. We're going to fix this today. And so I got to thinking about this, not just because of Thanksgiving, but there's somewhere in the scripture that talks about thanking God even for the uninvited guests. You ever read that passage? Is that one we skip over? I was thinking about being thankful for the uninvited guests. Here's the table of your life. And I don't know about you, but maybe everything was going good and you set the table just as you wanted and you had this image in your mind of what the the meal was gonna feel like when you invited your friends over or the right family members over. You gotta make sure you don't invite the wrong ones. But in walks, in the in the table of your life, maybe it's that person and they're sitting there at the table of your life and they're making it messy. Maybe for some of you, some uninvited guests came in and we call it health. Maybe health wasn't supposed to come this way and sit at your table. Maybe it's work. Maybe work wasn't supposed to come and sit at the table of your life this way either. Maybe for some of you, crammed in the table are kids and you love kids because of Sunday, but you didn't plan on all these kids and you don't know what to do with it because it's gotten a little messy. You see, at the table of life, oftentimes uninvited guests start making life feel a little bit messy. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, Pastor John, I love most of what you preach, but this one's already getting uncomfortable. How can I be thankful for the uninvited guests that sit at my table? And I got to thinking about this in my own life. I had a real experience with Christ this week because I really had to get back to looking at all the things that are at my table all the uninvited guests, and and instead of looking at them and being frustrated, because how many of you know you can't remove the uninvited guests at your table that the Lord Jesus sends? I started realizing that if I don't start thanking God for these things and seeing these things from a different angle, my table's gonna get more messy by my own hands. And I know oftentimes we think about the uninvited guests worse than they really are. And I think that's a mechanism in us because it it prepares us to endure. You know, when someone comes to the table and you go like this, oh, dang, they bother me. What are they doing here? And and you you typically will puff them up. They're going to ruin this whole thing. They're going to get so drunk. They're going to turn this table over. They're going to freak out. They're going to tell my business. The whole thing's going to get ruined. And it never happens. But the reason we, we often think the worst about the uninvited guests at our table is because it allows us to cope. If it gets that bad, I've already got a plan in my mind. But if it doesn't get that bad, I'm going to be okay. It typically never gets that bad. But we begin to, we begin to think the worst. And when you look at the table of your life, And you look at all of those things, whether it's maybe your health is not where you want or maybe your family or your job is not where you want 
when we begin to look at the uninvited guests and see just the negative, it empowers all the wrong emotions. It empowers all the wrong emotions. Someone write that in the comment section on Facebook and YouTube. As a matter of fact, look at Proverbs 17, verse 22. Keep a finger in Philippians chapter 1 and look at this verse. If you think the Bible is an antiquated book, it is so far ahead of our time. Here's what Proverbs 17, verse 22 says. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine. In other words, negativity kills us. We know in the psych world and the medical world that stress and negativity shortens the end caps and of our DNA. We all know that, right? Of course we do. You know what that's called? Dying. That's called dying. We actually speed up death when we focus just on the negative. But look at the antithesis here. God says, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. He says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart will keep you alive. Seeing the good in all things will actually keep you mentally healthy, physically healthy, and spiritually healthy. But if we just see the bad at the uninvited guests at our table that we can't do anything about, then it actually begins to break down the life. Amen? Amen. Anybody ever feel that? So somehow, guys, we've got to take these uninvited guests, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we sang this morning, we've got to see the good in these things. I don't mean they're easy. I just mean we've got to find the good hand of God in these things and start majoring on those things. And I want you to write this down. I wrote this down to myself. It was very convicting to me this week. We sometimes struggle enjoying life. Not because it's necessarily bad, but because we dwell on the bad. Let me say that one more time. We sometimes struggle enjoying life, not because it's necessarily bad, but because we dwell on the bad. And, and the convicting thing that God spoke to me this week is when I'm looking at an uninvited guest like COVID at the table of my life and I'm only seeing the bad, not only is it breaking me down, but I don't know the outcome of it. I don't know how it's gonna end. I don't know how God works, as Psalm says, while I sleep. I don't know what God's doing behind the scenes of life. The surface is not the story. And it's an amazing thing when I begin to just see the surface and, and see the bad and focus on these things, I, I'm literally stealing the joy for today. And so I was searching the scriptures, and here's what the Lord gave me. Look at Philippians 4. I'll go back to Philippians 1 in a minute. We're going to use a lot of scripture, but um, I want you to see Philippians 4, verse 12. I remember when I was in my 20s a few years ago, and I saw this verse as a young pastor, and it changed my life. Because there's secrets in the Bible, and very few people unlock the secrets by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you can unlock these secrets, they'll change your life. And Paul, and really what's, what's, what's the theme of Philippians, is that Paul's going through all kinds of bad stuff. He's actually incarcerated, and he's got these uninvited guests that invite themselves. He says in chapter 1, some preach Christ outside my jail cell just to aggravate the authorities that are trying to kill me. 
He goes, I got all these things in my life that I didn't invite and they're killing me, but I learned a secret. And by unlocking the secret, I'm getting through life. I'm not squeaking by, I'm crushing life. He says in verse 12, there's a secret to dealing with the uninvited guests in your life. He goes, I know how to be brought low. Can we say that? I know how to get my teeth kicked in. I know how to get rocked in this world. And just stay steady. Yeah, I fluctuate. I'll throw a Facebook post up or two. But for the most part, I know how to be brought low. And I like what he says right there. He says, know how to be brought low, which is to say that it's the hand of God. He does things sometimes. And I know how to abound. I know how to be promoted and not forget about the promoter. In any and every circumstance. (laughs) Whoa. In any and every, this is a human being right here. Which means we can do this too. In any and every circumstance, no matter who sits or what sits at my table, I like this. I have learned the secret. Now that tells me two things. It's veiled. It's hidden. And we got to do some digging. And we got to learn it, which means it's going to be a process. I have learned the secret I'm glad he didn't just flip a light switch one day and he said, when I received the Holy Spirit, it all came together. He said, no, I was a little slow on this one. And so I had to learn the secret of facing plenty and facing hunger, hunger abundance, and need. I, I had to learn the secret of looking at everybody and everything that sits at the table of my life that I did not invite and say, I see what God's doing. Thank you, Lord. Come on. That was, that was so timid. So I'm challenging you to get excited today. And so the secret is manifold in the book of Philippians. We, we may do an exposition and teach you this whole book soon. But the secret, one of the major secrets, write this down, to Paul dealing with the uninvited guests was thankfulness. Is that, is that children's stuff? Are you sure? Are you sure this is not just pie in the sky, Thanksgiving, before we grub, before we eat, let's just thank the Lord? Are you sure this is power? Well, it literally got Paul through the marathon trial because some of those guests never left him. And I I can just see Paul sitting at the table of life and he's like, by the way, a demon-possessed man sat at his table. Yeah, the thorn in the flesh guy? That's a demon-possessed man. It's a fallen angel in the body of a human being. And he goes, we're going to live together a long time. But I see how God is using you now. Get used to the smile. Get used to the grin. Like it's so powerful to me that a man or a woman or a teenager who can see all that God sends to our table, good and bad, uncomfortable and comfortable, who can see the good hand of God in it, that is almost an unstoppable human being. Do you know that? So I'm going to give you one point. Man, this has been my meat and drink this week with Jesus. One point, write this down. We got to find the gospel good in all things, guys. We got to find the gospel the gospel good in all things. Write that down. I say the gospel good because outside of Christ, this is impossible. This ain't possible. It always starts with the cross. You see, the people that sat at my table before I knew Jesus, I didn't know what to do. I, didn't, I couldn't see any good in it. I couldn't make any sense out of it. I was just a suffering man. But when I got saved, 
When I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I went from a 2D world to a 3D world. God now was involved in everybody and everything that sat at my table. And even though it was meant for evil, my new father said, I'm going to take the poison and turn it into medicine. So that's why I say this is the gospel good. This is the Romans 8 all things. This is what happens when you accept Christ as your Savior. Amen? Amen. So look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Let's dig into this church because they're not in good shape. And if you're not in good shape, just bear with me. You're about to get in good shape. Things are not exactly good for this, this group. It's not good. It's not good. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Let's touch on it very quickly. Paul writes, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, for the sake of Christ, for the glory of Jesus, because people are watching, you should not only believe in Jesus, but you're going to have to suffer. Sometimes God allows us to suffer because do you know that people who don't know Jesus are not really convinced of our Jesus when we're driving awesome cars and living in beautiful houses? They want to see us when things are taken away, still believe in the almighty God. And so sometimes, thank you, there you go with the prosperity gospel. There it is. Sometimes God is going to put you through suffering. So we see right away that these people are going through some hard times. Now look at chapter 2 and verse 3. How many of you know that hard times out there can bring hard times in your relationships because we take it out on each other? He says in verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Selfish ambition is your own personal desire. Conceit is party spirit. Well, my group thinks we should do this. I think we should. So you can see that they're struggling with humility. They're not counting each other more significant than themselves. They're fighting. Now, chapter 4, verse 2. These are awesome ladies, two women, Eodia and Syntyche, but they're struggling. And because they've helped Paul so much in the gospel to get the gospel into their area, but because times are hard, they're starting to fight. And so he says in chapter 4, in verse 2, I entreat, that's a very kind way of saying get your act together, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to stop fighting, to start agreeing in the Lord. All that to say, these, these Jesus followers had uninvited guests, uninvited situations that they were stuck with at the table of life, and it was really starting to screw things up. It was starting to make a mess. And the question remains, how can we be thankful when so much isn't right in our lives? Come on now, let's be real. No more bumper sticker Christianity. No more cheap Sunday school lessons. What do you do with this? I need answers. Well, I want you to write this down, if you haven't already. When you get saved, when you come to Christ for salvation, God begins to work in a new way at the table. Now, I think God works on all people at the table. But I think God starts to work Romans 8, 28 stuff at the table. And so sometimes, because the bodies wear out, sickness will come. And if you're in Christ, God intervenes in that, and he starts to work something new in the sickness. If you've got a divorce, or you've got struggling children, or struggling parents, which... If you got a family, I hit one of them. 
I got one of them, right? That's just how it works with our families. It's not easy, but maybe that's at your table. Romans 8, 28 is a part of the salvation story. God begins to work all things into good to transform us. He begins to intervene in all the things that are going on at the table. Now, I want to show you this through one powerful verse that has got me through some of the worst, worst times in my life. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Paul has written a very, very long letter, and like all good pastors, he doesn't know how to stop talking. And so he, he has already said many times, finally, finally. Imagine reading an email, and like four paragraphs in, finally, last thing, I promise. And then it goes on for two more paragraphs. It's like, last thing. I think Paul's just excited about Christ. And he's got so many secrets to unlock for us. But, it, but this is so important, guys. And here's the secret. He goes, look, I got people at my table that I don't want. And I don't know what to do with them. I'm suffering because of it. I got situations at my life. You know, Paul's eyesight was probably really, really bad. We can see that in Galatians. He says, you see what long and large letters I used when I wrote you this letter. He was probably in an infirmity from the scales on his eyes in the book of Acts. So he had these health issues and these people issues and these demon issues. And it's like, Paul, then how do you thank God for these things? They're just bad. And he says in verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there's any excellence, there's anything worthy of praise. Think about these things. And the reason he uses whatever so many times, whatever, 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 that's not my whatever that I use when I look at the table of my life. I go like this, whatever. <laughs> whatever means it's in it. It's there because of God. Whatever means because of God, he has injected truth in it. Something that's honorable is there. Something that is just is there. He's doing something to purify something. It's there. There's something lovely happening there. There's something commendable in the thing at the table, in the person, in the situation. There's some excellence that he's bringing forth. It's there. There's something worthy of praise because God is in it and he's there. And he goes, think about these things. I want you to write a note in your Bible. That word think is a mathematics term. He means you're going to have to do some work on this because you're going to have to stare at that situation and go, okay, that doesn't look good. I don't see anything there. But you're going to have to do a little math equation right here and go, okay, let me look at it. Let me, let me move this piece. Let me carry the one. Let me divide it a little bit here. I'm going to have to study this thing and say, where is God working good in this thing? I got to find it. And if I look hard enough, and we know we've all done this, when you look hard enough, you know you always find it. Amen. I think I, what my problem is, is I don't want to find it, it because I don't like the thing. There it is. Think about these things. It means, it means take an inventory of the situation. Okay, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. 
this is. But this is. And I'm going to have to now take that and put it on the top. And I love what he says, think. It means to dwell long. It's the same word used when Peter looked in the tomb after Jesus rose from the dead. And he, he was staring like this. He was like, where'd he go? He means when you find it, stare long. Put it on top. Remind yourself of that one thing. There may be six bad things laced through there. But when you find the good hand of God, grab it and dwell on it. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Go back to verse 12. He's not just preaching it. He's living it. He's, He's living this out. You know, the man's locked up. He's an A-type. He's a wild man, Paul is. I mean, you couldn't contain this man. He was preaching all over the world. And now he's reduced to a house, a room. And he's chained. We know that. And it's weird because he's, he's writing. Think about texting someone and you being incarcerated and having all that is good in your life, all that fits your personality taken away from you, and yet you're encouraging other people who are free. And so he says in verse 11, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, wow, fill in the blank. That'll change your life. How how are you going to fill that blank in? What has happened to me? What has happened to me? What has sat at my table? I want you to know what has sat at my table. I want you to know what has sat at my table. Like fill in the blank on that statement. That will make or break you. And I love what he says, has really has really. It doesn't look like what I'm about to tell you, but I had to stare long until I found the good hand of God, and now I've majored on it, and here's what's really happening to me. I know you see incarceration as something bad, but what has really happened, and look at that next word, served. That thing bows down to God. That thing must do what God says. That person was sent by God to sit at your table And it must serve the purpose of God. I saw it. I found it. I grabbed a hold of it. Jill has a completely different theme for me now. So, Paul, why are you in jail? That sounds cute. Go ahead and put that on Pinterest. But that doesn't make sense. Why would God put incarceration and take away your freedom and put that at the table of your life? He says, John, you need to be more patient. Go to chapter 4. Let's go ahead and fast forward my letter. Go ahead and go to chapter 4 and look at verse 22. I know you see chains, but I want you to see a chained man who God wants to set free. He goes like this. Let me tell you why, why this is not bad. I know you see bad, but I see God because I did the math. He goes in verse 22. Oh, I'm wrapping up the letter finally. Oh, (laughs) all the saints greet you. So my squad, they say hi. Oh, (laughs) especially those of Caesar's household. You see, God wants to save Caesar, but how are you going to get to Caesar? How are you going to get to Caesar? That's like winning the president of Christ. How are you going to get to the president? Well, Paul being a Roman citizen... It was his right to appeal to Caesar. So God said, I know incarceration looks like incarceration, but your chains 
are really the way in which we're going to get you in front of Caesar because you're not going to defend yourself and your cause. You're going to tell Caesar about Jesus, the Son of God, who will save him and change his life. So it's not really about the chains. It's about the man who's chained, Caesar, and that this is the gateway to set him free. Amen? Amen. What a setup. What, what an amazing and strategic God's. Paul was a man of two worlds. He would often see the world in front of him, the things sitting at his table. But through a careful study and walking in the spirit, he would enter another world. He would see what God was doing in the situation. And he would look at that thing and he would say, I'm majoring on the good and what God is doing at that thing sitting at my table. And I've got to say, the longer I think about it, the more I've got to say, praise be to God that that thing sits at my table. Man, we'll find what we focus on, won't we? We'll find what we focus on. Can I get you to write something down? Go ahead and take a picture of this. I I like this. I have this written in my Bible in Philippians. That's a powerful man. That's a powerful woman right there. That's a powerful mom. That's a powerful leader. Most circumstances are not good or bad, guys. Some are. Some are bad. They're bad. Some are just awesome. Most circumstances are not good or bad. We empower them to become good or bad by how we choose to see them. If I got that thing sitting at my my table and all I do is focus on the bad, focus on the bad, focus on the bad, I am empowering them to be bad. If I find what God is doing in it, and I focus on that, and I major on that, I now empower somewhat of a neutral situation to become good. And if you gain this secret in life, that will get you through the storm. Paul tells us to change our view, to change our view. See, it's a game of views. It's a game of angles. I played baseball my whole life. They said it's a game of inches. It's a lame game. But it's a game of inches. It's a boring game. But they say it's a game of inches. The Christian life is a, a game of angles. It's a game of angles. So what Paul is telling us is he goes, John, you sit at your table, and all you do is look at the things that are at the table of your life from one angle. You go, I don't like my job, and I do. Purely an example. I don't like my job. Jesus, Jesus comes to my table. He goes like this, John. Let's look at it from a little different angle. You have one. I'm reaching people there. Yeah, okay, Lord, well, we prayed for our kid, not six. Amen. These kids are driving me crazy. Jesus takes me and he goes, John, let's shift angles. I want you to see it from my view. They call you mom. They call you dad. I say, okay, Lord. But my spouse. <laughs> let's move through this one quickly, let's share. It was hot and it was awesome at first and 
He says, John, see her from heaven's view. She knows you and loves you the same. Lord, my body, my body, it hurts. It hurts. He says, I know. I know. But I'm lifting your heart to something higher. I'm detaching you from this world. Just change the angle, John. I got you, Lord. I got you. I got an enemy at my table. This one shouldn't be here. John, keep moving. All that growth you've experienced this year, this person you're becoming, you owe it to the enemy. They've taught you to forgive. They've taught you to be patient. They've taught you to pray. Just change the angle, John. See my hands. And the reason this type of thinking brings healing and brings joy is because it reaffirms that someone is for us. That we're not just alone at the table. When we, when we see what God's doing, we, see, we, we begin to major on it, and we remember that he's crashing into our situations, and he's creating good, that there's a God who's in control, and he's for us. I said this to our staff this week. We were walking in the Word, walking in this, and, and I want you to write this down and take a picture of this on the screens. You guys on social media, don't miss this one right here. I think I said this in a sermon before. Thankful people are not those who have the best of everything, but they find the best in everything. Man, I believe that type of person is almost unstoppable. And when you see the good, and this is such a magnificent thing, and you begin to praise them for it, do you know you activate pleasure? God says, Give me the praise, I'll release the pleasure. Come on, we're walking together. You release the praise, I release the pleasure. But until you release the praise, I'm not going to release the pleasure through the Holy Spirit. But if you'll find what I'm doing, you'll major on it, I'll comfort you. I know it's not all beautiful, but you find that thing I'm doing in it, you major on it. Man, and you begin to praise. C.S. Lewis said, our joy is not complete until our joy is expressed. He goes, I want you to praise me for it. And when you praise me for it, even with tears in your eyes, that's when my spirit will begin to release the pleasure again. And that's why we call Philippians the letter of joy. It's the man who said, I found the good hand of God in my situation, and I keep praising him and praising him. Refill my joy. He says, refill my joy. Refill my joy. I'm feeling the pleasure released by the spirit because I'm releasing the praise. In a lot of thanksgiving, from a man who has no idea how to cook, if God didn't know the exact ingredients we need, he would not allow it in the meal. Obviously, 80% of us don't know how to cook with me. And so we thank him. I want to share an email with you. I hesitate to do this because we get so many very precious private intimate emails. But we have a lady in our church pre-COVID who was diagnosed with cancer. It's not uncommon in a church our size 
And many of you know this family, a very special woman. And we would pray over her, and we anointed her with oil and prayed for supernatural healing. And she experienced it. But before that, her body, broken by cancer, sent me an email at 2 o'clock in the morning. And it was right when COVID had shut our church down. And this is a woman who has had an uninvited guest called cancer sit at her table. And in her email, she said, I've been thinking about the church in these recent days. As COVID has shut you guys down, I know it's unsettling, and I'm praying for you all. In some ways, I sigh and think, welcome to a glimpse of my world as a cancer patient. It is the loss of security of what the future looks like, the surviving and thriving in an ever-changing reality, the giving up of certain privileges of health that I had previously seen as my rights. But do you feel the joy and expectation in living in that day? Do you feel the power in praying with abandon? We are secure, even if frightened. We can laugh, even if nervously. Most importantly, we can worship in ways our hearts never thought they would because of the trial. Come what may, I know him in ways I wouldn't have because of the trial. She says this to me. I don't know what fills your inbox, but I wanted to put some more joy in. She saw cancer, and it took her a while, but she found the good hand of God and said, this has awakened me to worship like I never dreamed. And I'm holding on to that. That that is the secret to Paul's power. And if we can train our minds like this, we can transform any situation. Look at what Philippians 4.11 says, because this ain't going to happen overnight. So he says in verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need. Thanks for all the money but I'm good. <laughs> what do you mean you're good? I'm good because I see what God is doing. For I had to learn. I had to learn this. Took me some time, but I had to learn in whatever situation I am to be content. To be content. And I love verse 9. He says, what you have learned, what you have learned, that's verse 9. I messed that up, didn't I? But I thank God for our team that puts up with me back there. This is verse 9. Look at this verse. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. You saw me suffer, but you saw me find the good 
You saw me hold on to it. You saw me thank him for it. He goes like this, practice these things. Practice it, practice it, practice it. And if you'll practice this, you will know the God of peace like never before. That's the promise. And I was thinking about this, you guys, Thanksgiving week. This morning, I got on my knees when my family left my home. I got on my knees. And I just started going through everything in my mind that I'm thankful to God for. Even the bad situations. Even some of the people who are in my life right now who are driving me crazy. Nobody in this room. They're changing me. I got on my knees before God. I put my hands up like this, and I just started saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I started thinking, if I, if I did this as an exercise at the end of every day, guess what we'd start looking for throughout the day? Things to be thankful for. And so I give you a challenge as we wrap this series up. I wonder if this week we would all just slow down. Go ahead and throw that up. Let's just slow down. Slow down. Find the good that God is doing. Grab a hold of it and thank him for it. Amen? Let's pray. And I'd even say right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just as a church family, on Facebook and YouTube, wherever you're at, I know this is not just a light switch that we flip. But led by the Holy Spirit right now. Can we all begin this morning? Whatever's at your table, whatever uninvited guest is at your table. Praying in the Spirit to God right now. Asking him for eyes to see that which is good. All across this room, all all across the internet, everybody watching right now. God, show me the goods. God, I need to grab onto the good. Help me. We claim the invincible promise of Romans 8.28 right now. That all things, all things, all things still are enslaved to work together for good. For those who know God. God, give us eyes to see the good. And as you follow the Spirit this morning, would you even lift up praise? You are not boxed in by who sits at your table or what sits at your table. Because whether you like it or not, there's an uninvited guest, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the God of the breakthrough. And he will not allow these things to destroy you. 
but he breaks through everything at the table. He reaches in with his sovereign power and he uses it for goods. He is the God of the breakthrough. See it. Grab it. Thank him for it. We are no longer victims of these situations. We are victors through Christ. And I want your spiritual hands to grab a hold of whatever good you can find in the situation. And I want you to hold it tight because we're about to sing and we're about to lift our hands and hold that thing up like a wave offering and praise our God. I'm going to pray over us and then we're going to praise him. The God of the breakthrough. Father, Thank you that you have not left us alone at the table. But because of your sovereign will, you use everything at our table to transform us into the image of your son. So maybe for some, it's with a tear in the eye or clenched teeth this morning. But spirit, lead us. Lead us to the good hand of God. And may we lift up praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the Contact Us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you'd like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.